The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to the crowds, Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and I will not reject anyone who comes to me, because I came down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of the one who sent me, that I should not lose anything of what he gave me, but that I should raise it on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I shall raise him up on the last day. The Gospel of the Lord. I really love having the opportunity to celebrate the, uh, the children's mass, the kids' mass on Wednesdays. And so um, yesterday we had an, an All Saints mass, and um, I, as we tend to do, we ask them lots of questions. And so one of the first, I said this at the, at the, 12, ma- the, the 12 o'clock mass yesterday, so some of you heard this, but I asked um, if they knew what the, the word universal meant. And then uh, a young lady raised her hand and she said, uh, I think it's a theme park in Disney World. <laughs> and I was like, you're right, that is a theme park in Disney World, but we're thinking of something bigger than that, right? And so one of the things I said yesterday that's so important for all of us to realize, of course, is like our universal call, our universal call to holiness to be saints. But of course, um, you know, there are those that go before us, right? And so we still are trying to help them in some way, shape, or form. And so today, we celebrate all our beloved dead, and we, and we pray for them. We offer our prayers for them. I remember many, many years ago, I read this book um, about Bob Dylan called Restless Pilgrim. And n- not anything to do with the book, per se, but the title is the thing that's, that really jumped out in my mind. Because the other thing that I asked the children yesterday is I said, does anybody know what a pilgrim is? And, and another young lady had a, a great definition. You know, it's like somebody going from one place to another, somebody on a journey. I was like, that's like a perfect definition, right? And so I guess they're teaching him pretty well here at St. Cecilia, so that's good. And so, um, yeah, so restless pilgrim. As this morning, as I was praying with, with a couple of the, the servers here, and I was looking up at our banners behind me, about all of those who have died this year that we celebrated funerals, just, just here, of course, just here in this church. As I saw many of the names of many of the family members I've met and many of the funerals that Father Kerry and I had celebrated the masses for their families, I was just really taken by that. And, and one of the things that I often say at those funeral masses is something that kind of gave me comfort that, that I learned about from C.S. Lewis. You know, C.S. Lewis, we know, is the, the author of the Chronicles of Narnia and, and many other, other books. You know, he, was a real, he wasn't a Catholic. He was sort of close, though, <laughs> in his theology, but he never quite became a Catholic, but it was, a, you know, Protestant. And he, um, one of the things that he, in his life, in his own conversion, he was an atheist at one point. But he had exposure to the faith through other great authors who were believers, like J.R.R. Tolkien and other, other great authors and people that he hung out with in the university scene at the time. 
But one of the things that really changed his life was he looked at our restlessness, the restless pilgrims that we are on this, on this earth. Because one of the things I read from the catechism yesterday, if we remember, was that, you know, there's essentially these three stages. There is us, the pilgrims on this earth, still going on the journey. And then there are those who are in purgatory, who are still being purified. They are among the saved, but they're not yet in heaven. And then there are those who are face to face with God in heaven, in his glory, fully, those three stages. And so during our journey here, during our pilgrimage here on earth, though, um, C.S. Lewis saw that, and he was like, we're so restless, we're so uncomfortable. And then, and of course, the great saint, St. Augustine, said, Lord, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And so he saw this. It's just like, and you think about everything, right? You might be sitting in this pew and then have to shift around a little bit because it's uncomfortably hard or something like that. And then um, eventually you're going to eat today only to have to eat again. You know, you get thirsty and you're going to need to quench that thirst. I always think of our most restful state is sleeping, right? How many of you last night while you were just sleeping were like, oh gosh, that shoulder hurts. I got to roll over on this side. I got I to get up to go to the bathroom. I need a drink of water. And this is our most restful state that we've been given on this earth, right? And even that is restless. But he said, why would we have such an innate desire within each of us to be ultimately comfortable, satisfied, and content? And he realized, he's like, there's a deep drive in, in the heart of men and women for that very thing, to be ultimately happy and content. And that was the turning point for him. That's when he realized that's what heaven actually is. Heaven is this realization, this ultimate contentment, that being in the presence of God, that there is no more death, there is no more sickness, there is no more quenching of one's thirst. None of those things are necessary anymore because they're completely fulfilled. And, and, and he realized that because that's built into each one of us, that he's like, it definitely exists, just not on this earth. It exists, but that's what the reality of heaven, heaven will be. And I thought that that was a profound way for him to actually come to a belief in God. And as I, you know, as I look at this year, and as I looked at, worked with many of the families of those who've lost loved ones, and we think back on all the loved ones we've lost our entire lives, um, we don't exactly know their situation completely. Sometimes we have a pretty good indication. Some people live very evidently obvious, holy lives. Um, and they're very, very close to the heart of Christ and very close to the heart of the church in many, many ways, shapes, and form. And for many, many more, it's a little bit um, more unclear at times. I, I mentioned that there's that movie that, that just came out called Purgatory by the same director who did one of the Divine Mercy movies a few years ago. And it's a documentary, essentially. And one of the things that they talked about is that sometimes there, a, a soul from purgatory will appear to somebody here living on earth. And, and they kind of gave a little bit of a criterion of what that looks like at times. And they said, it's never a fearful appearance, like a poltergeist or a haunting. It's not like that, they said. You know, you won't have any fear. But, but the person comes to somebody who's alive. And one of the things that they always end up saying is they tell them the reason why they're there in purgatory, the sin that they were attached to or the sins in their life and why they're there. So it's, there's dual purpose there, right? It, it's, it's to give a warning 
to those who are still living and to give a reason why they're there. And then what's the other thing that they ask for? They ask for prayer. They ask for prayer so that they can be released. So there's something that's very unique about that state in purgatory. It is a purification. Like I said, those in purgatory are among the saved, but they're not yet in the glory of, of heaven. There is still sin left to, to be, we say the purifying fire of God's love. That purifying fire is still burning off some of those, th- those sins in life. And so in many ways, when we hear that warning, um, you know, you're like, okay, you know, this is a real thing. This is a serious thing that we have to take seriously. And so we can still ask those in purgatory to pray for us, just as yesterday we asked so many saints to pray for us. But the souls in purgatory are no longer able to pray for themselves because they, they've already reached their time of judgment. Once their time on earth is done, then it's done. And so at that point, it is through all of our intercession, through our prayers, through the pilgrims on earth, that we can help them go to heaven. So especially for those souls in purgatory, we lift up prayers for them. Um, you know, one thing I was very inspired by in, in my own discernment was, was uh, St. Padre Pio. And I know Father Carey was as well, a huge reason why he became a priest. And one of the things that inspired me was the way that people spoke about how he celebrated the Mass. In one specific thing I remember reading about him is that, and you'll notice I, I, I do this to an extent, probably not as long as Padre Pio, but during the Roman canon, Eucharistic prayer number one, there, there's a specific pause for prayers for the living and then a pause for prayers of the dead. It's unique to the other Eucharistic prayers because it has that in it. I pause for a little bit longer than what might seem normal or something like that because I, I shared with you all before that death, um, there was something that was very important and poignant about it in just my own experience of losing loved ones in my own life and then also losing all of the people that we see on this banner here behind us today. And I, I often take that time truly to let the Lord place souls on my mind, those that, that I truly knew and loved dearly, and then sometimes some of these very names come to mind because I, because I celebrated their funeral mass, so they're sort of on my mind at times. And I think the Lord will put them on our mind. And so just as I pause in that moment, we, we all pause to pray for the dead. And so we, we do that at every Mass, but of course today is, is a special day. We need special remembrances, right? Special days to kind of bring us back into check of what the reality of Christ's message was, that those that live in him will no longer die, will ultimately actually have that contentment in life. And so here on earth, we have the sacraments to do this for, for us. And one last thing I wanted to say was, this is from, um, Scott Hahn wrote a book called Hope to Die. And one of the great things about that title that I love is I had a, a professor that used to say this. He was a, a Dominican priest, and he said that, he said, Christian hope picks up where human, what, how do you say it? Let me say, Christian hope picks up where, where human, um, Gosh, why can't I always remember it? And now it's just eluding me, <laughs> of course. But he said, um, oh gosh, essentially this is the idea. Our faith in man and our faith in the things that we're capable of doing 
where that hits a sharp ceiling is where Christian, Christian hope begins. So for example, somebody who's sick and dying, we do everything we can for them with the medicine that we know and what the doctors can do. But often, we've been in that situation where that hits a very sharp ceiling. And that is where the handoff of hope, Christian hope, actually takes over. Because there's nothing earthly that can be done anymore at that point. That's when the supernatural takes over. And so, through the sacraments that we all receive, this is what Scott, Scott Hahn said in Hope to Die. These sacraments are the means by which God resurrects us in this life. Baptism restores divine life to our souls. The Eucharist nourishes that life. Confession replenishes it. Confirmation, marriage, and holy orders strengthen it. And the anointing of the sick stirs up the divine life within us to heal our bodies and prepare our souls for eternal life. I thought that's an amazing, amazing reality to be reminded of. Because if we stay close to the sacraments, that's how we remain in Christ. And if we can do that, then we can certainly remember to pray for those who have gone before us so that they could have that ultimate contentment and satisfaction that we all want, that we all crave, that C.S. Lewis talks so much about. And so today, uh, call to mind as many as you can, especially those that were truly dear to you, and, and pray for them. And remember this, um, even if they're already in heaven, face to face with God, remember that there's not a prayer that you ever offer to the Father that will ever be wasted. Um, Those prayers, he knows how to apportion them in perfect justice and mercy, right? So if there's another soul out there that needs that prayer, you know, I, I believe that the Lord, he knows what to do with our prayers, right? There's never one of them wasted. So lift up today in prayer. And then today we'll also, of course, light a candle for all of those that we've celebrated funerals for here at uh, St. Cecilia. God bless you all.